Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we begin our celebration of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. We join the drama which unfolds in four acts and the epilogue. Everything Jesus did in his 33 years on earth built toward the weekend that changed the world. Please listen as Pastor Harris begins the narrative in today's slice of this week's Easter message entitled, Three Days Change the World. So Act 1 is the arrest. Act 2 is the trial all through the night. That brings us to Act 3, the crucifixion. All that was done through the night, every bit of it illegal, according to anything by Jewish law. And so now it's about 8 o'clock Friday morning, and Jesus is sentenced officially to the cross. Now, as was the custom for a criminal that was sentenced to death by crucifixion, Jesus was made to carry the heavy wooden cross piece on the back of his back across the soldier, across his shoulders. They would lash the arms to it, so you'd carry that big uh, wooden beam across your shoulders. He he fell under the weight of it. He had to march from where the the trial had finished up at Fortress Antonia to outside the the city gates where the crucifixion took place. And when Jesus fell, having been beaten and scourged and obviously lost much blood, um, he was eventually assisted by a man named Simon from Cyrene who was ordered to carry the, the cross of Jesus. And he's a good story. Go look him up sometime. He apparently became a believer. That cross piece was lashed then to the vertical portion of the cross, so it made a T shaped thing, and the, the sign could be tacked over the head what the, what the person was accused of or convicted of. And then the hands and the feet were nailed to the cross between the bones of the wrist and between the, the bones just above the ankles, and then the cross would be raised up to vertical and dropped into a hole, causing the further tearing of the flesh at the points of the nail wounds. When someone was crucified, death was excruciating. As a matter of fact, that word excruciating comes from the C-R-U-X, which is the cross. And that's where we get that word. Something excruciating is like dying on a, on a cross. It was slow, very, very painful. The legs would be bent slightly before they were nailed and the feet were nailed in place so that the victim could, could pull him up a little bit to get a little bit of relief from the, dry, from the diaphragm and take a breath, and then his, the, the, the strength would wane, the person would slump further and further, and eventually die of asphyxiation. For a strong man, sometimes it took more than a day to die on a cross. Can you imagine the agony of that? Well, Jesus hangs there from 9 o'clock in the morning until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. At noon, supernatural darkness fell over the land and lasted until three o'clock. While Jesus was not only suffering a 
an indescribably painful physical death. He was bearing the wrath of God against sin. And while he was there on the cross, he made seven important statements. That's the subject of another sermon. If you read our daily emails, I sent that to you on Friday, on so-called Good Friday. But here's the point of all this. Understand, through every bit of this, no one took Jesus' life from Him. When all His work of paying for our sins was done, He voluntarily gave up His life. Remember, they went and broke the legs of the other two who were crucified so that they would die quickly when they couldn't pull themselves up to get another breath. And Jesus had already died, not because of the crucifixion, because He laid down His life for us. John 19.30, when Jesus therefore had received the sour wine, that's in response to one of the seven things that He said, He said, one word in the Greek, it is finished, tetelestai. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He chose the moment of his death. Now, after Jesus dies, a man named Joseph stepped forward. He got permission to take the body. Joseph, and all we know about him is that was his name, and he was from a place called Arimathea. He had help from Nicodemus, who had apparently believed after his encounter with Jesus that's recorded in John chapter 3. And Joseph and Nicodemus hastily wrapped the body and placed it into Joseph's own rock-hewn tomb, fulfilling a prophecy. He was buried in a rich man's tomb, and they got him in there prior to the 6 p.m. start of the Sabbath, so he would not be there during the Sabbath. The Jews persuaded the Romans to set a guard, put at least four soldiers at the tomb. These highly trained soldiers were given the very difficult duty of making sure that a dead body didn't escape. And we'll see more about them later. Act one, the arrest. Act two, the trial. Act three, the the crucifixion, and now Act 4, the part we've been waiting for, the resurrection. All four Gospels record the witnesses of the resurrection. And understand, no one saw Jesus come back to life. No one. We have all the witnesses of the empty tomb and the messages from the angels that were there. This is a, a really fun place to harmonize the four Gospels. And if you got today's emails, I sent you Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I, I, I dare you, go, go put them all together and, and make it into one story and see how it fits. It's absolutely glorious. That's the fullest detailed description of all that happened. But the fact that Jesus rose from the dead is the most verifiable event of all ancient history. We have better record of this than anything else. Let me read to you Matthew's description of it. Matthew 18, 1 through 10. Now, after the Sabbath, 
which ended Saturday night at sundown, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, so the women waited through the night, again, began to be toward Sunday morning, uh, after the, toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. Remember, they had come and seen where he was laid. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. Now, that is one of the most spectacular miracle earthquakes anywhere. It only happened at the tomb, as if God took his, jump, his thumb and played tiddlywinks with that giant rock that covered the entrance to the tomb and removed it from the, uh, from the entrance to the tomb, and the angel sat upon it, removed away from the tomb. What more do we know? And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear because of him, for, shook for fear of him, and became like dead men. Remember that phrase. The angel said to the women, "Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come." See the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there you will see me. Now while they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. By the way, notice where the guards went. They were Roman soldiers. Who did they go and report to? Not their superiors. You did not have much of a future as a military person if you couldn't keep a dead body from escaping. It was the chief priests that had persuaded the Romans to put a guard there. So they came to the chief priests and said, Hey, um, the dead body, it got away. Help! Take care of us. You realize, after that, it was pretty easy to preach about the resurrection around Jerusalem because the empty tomb was there to prove it. Peter's first sermon in Acts chapter 2, after the Holy Spirit had come, he says this, This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. And I picture him pointing in the direction of the empty tomb. His next sermon, Acts chapter 3, But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, but put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. Nobody ever refuted the empty tomb. They said, well, they went to the wrong tomb. Well, then somebody would have found the right one. It, it, there was an empty tomb, and over 500 people saw Jesus alive after the resurrection. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.